G'day and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are in an Advent series. Advent simply means arrival and it's a reminder for us of what the arrival of Jesus means for us. We have hope, peace, joy and love all in the person of Jesus Christ. I also want to challenge you to seriously consider getting involved in our upcoming Discipleship Training Week. We just had what was a remarkable church camp in October. It's amazing what happens when a group of people just say no to the various competing demands of life for a few days and fix their eyes on Jesus. This is not a new concept. The Jews would take the journey up to Jerusalem three times a year in spring, summer and autumn. It wasn't about learning something new. It was about being reminded of what matters most and collectively declaring that God is worth all that we have to give. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Take a week and join with us in kicking off 2023 with Jesus front and centre. And now, here's the teaching from our Sunday gathering. everyone it's good to be here I'm excited to share the message I'm like totally out of whack tonight today because this is totally irrelevant to my message but I just feel like I need to justify it in case I make no sense no one religiously wakes up at like 6 or 6 30 in the morning like every day for some reason this morning he slept until 8 30 great sounds awesome except so did I I was woken up by a phone call from Scotty saying Dave Giltnan's about to come around and borrow a tarp and then there's a knock on the door and I'm like what time is it what is going on had to like quickly throw some clothes on like see Dave in and out wake up Noah and then he normally goes down for a nap at 9 30 and so it was like quarter to nine so that wasn't going to happen at this point so anyway, he slept like once for like an hour in the middle of the day and I'm like totally out of my like routine that I've been in every day for the last 11 months and three weeks. And so I'm like, what do I do? Like, what time is it? What day is it? And then the weather's weird. So this is your invitation to extend grace to me and I will receive it. Thank you. All right, I'm just going to pray to start off. Thank you, Father, that you are with us. Holy Spirit, that you're here Thank you that we can lean into you tonight and you're leaning into us and we're ready to hear from you. We're ready to give back to you what it is that you've paid for. And yeah, Father, I just pray that you would um, be with me tonight as I share this message, that I would be able to articulate it clearly, that you would be glorified and that we would leave here understanding more of your character, more of your heart and having the opportunity to share fellowship together. Amen. Amen. Um, Speaking of Noah, if you follow me online, you would know that I don't really have any self-control when it comes to sharing photos of him, basically all throughout the day. Um, And I saw this meme when everyone was sharing their Spotify raps, you know, the like music Spotify rap thing. And it was like, the person that is saying they don't care about your Spotify wrapped is also the person that shares like 19 baby photos a day. And that's me to a T. I don't care about your Spotify wrapped, but I'm sure you do care about 
my baby in all different parts of my house and different scenarios. And I just can't help it because he's awesome and he's the best baby and he brings me so much joy. And it's very fitting because I'm sharing about joy tonight. So that's the segue there. And I think that that's just babies, right? Like babies just create joy. No matter what the circumstance, you just look at a baby and you're like, it's just so cute. And my brother, who's like not a baby person at all, like wouldn't be seen dead touching a baby, so confused by them. He met Noah for the first time, fell in love and just described him as he's just like every other baby, except he's significantly better for no reason. Isn't that just like babies to a T? And like even more when you know them as well, there's just that sense of like, oh, they're just the best. Like you just love them and that joy that comes. And I'm so excited to have Christmas with a baby for the first time. Last year at Christmas, we thought we might have COVID because everyone did at that time. If you had a slight sniffle. So we had to get a test and they take, took days to come back throwback. Anyone remember those times? And so we spent Christmas in our lounge room by ourselves eating a plate that we picked up from our parents while quarantining. And it was a really depressing last Christmas to have. So I'm really excited to redeem that this year. Um, And yeah, I think every year as well, like I'm just so struck again by the vulnerability of Jesus to come as a baby, like just how ridiculous that is. And um, Noah is a week and a day was born a week and a day after Christmas, so a week and a day after Jesus' birthday, as we all know. Um, so if Jesus was born last Christmas, like he would be like Noah's size right now, which is blowing my mind when I think about it. And he's awesome. Like Noah's great. He can do a lot of good tricks. I was going to keep him in and get him to demonstrate them, but he can clap. Whoa, so good, right? He can wave hello and goodbye. Usually once we've left the scenario where I said, can you wave goodbye? Then we'll walk away and then he'll start waving. Um, he can say dada, when I ask him to say mama, he says dada, um, he can stand sometimes, I've just taught him, where are your ears, and then he like covers his ears, so he's so smart, genius baby, but he's also super useless <laughs> in terms of the things that he can do, none of those things are going to help him in any scenario in life, right, like he can't, can't really walk, he can't talk, he can't basically go get food for himself, can't walk downstairs, he's pretty useless, and when I think of Jesus, I think of this tiny little newborn baby in a manger or this like 30-year-old preacher man. I don't think of the one-year-old that is like stumbling over everything in his path or like digging through drawers or this morning Noah was chewing on Scotty's razor before I walked into the bathroom. Like you don't imagine Jesus in those scenarios when he's like so vulnerable and it's just so profound to me every year that God just entrusted his child who was going to be like the savior of all mankind just into this world where anything could happen to him if he wasn't protected by his own creation. Like it just blows my mind and Yeah, the idea of like Mary's submission to that promise from God, it wasn't just in pregnancy and birth, it was like, you're going to raise the son of God, like you're going to change his nappy, whatever that looks like back then, I don't want to know, you're going to feed him at 3am, you're going to like comfort him when he's upset, like you're going to help like reason with him and teach him things in life and you know, she obviously had God to help her but like it's just an honour. That's really my point. It's just like what an honor that God trusted his creation with his son so that Jesus could pay our admission fee into relationship with God, right? Also, it could come back to him. And, you know, Jesus describes you and me as the joy set before him, the reason why he 
lived, he experienced everything that life had, he died on a cross, he was hated, he was murdered. It was because of you and I and we were the joy set before him, the thought of relationship with us. It's just so mind-blowing. The suffering he experienced, he had this long game and it was you and I, it was relationship with us. In our Advent series so far, we heard a message from Christy on hope. Nick shared a cracker on peace last week, got love next week. All of these things are parts of Jesus' nature that we have access to now because he did that, because he came as a baby and he was faithful to God and he trusted God and he grew and he died and he rose again. And so we get access to these parts of his nature now. We can experience them because of the cross. And today I want to talk about joy and what it looks like for us to experience joy, to tap into the joy, like what we actually have available to us that we may not even realize that we have available, even just right now sitting here, this access to this joy. So we're going to get into the word. Um, We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It should be on the screen, hopefully. Um, So backstory, Mary and Joseph, they're in Bethlehem. They've just given birth to Jesus in a barn. Year on, that's a lot more real for me now. More things. Um, just crazy. Just gave Jesus, give, gave birth to Jesus in a barn, the savior of the world, the king, creator of everything in a barn. Like, let's not let that just become the story of Christmas. Like, let's just feel the weight of that and how awesome that is that he came in such a humble way as a king. So he's swaddled up, he's in his manger, and now we read from Luke 2. Oh, that's very small. Oh, well, zoom in with your eyeballs. Um, In the same region, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Can everyone say good news of great joy? Amen. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. I'm so impressed that they timed it, that he actually was wrapped in a cloth and laying in a manger, because Noah didn't spend a lot of time in that position when he was born, so I'm impressed. It was clearly the Lord that was guiding them. So yeah, don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you good news, great joy for all people. Jesus is great joy for all people. Amen? It also, from that verse, like Nick spoke last week about peace being this antidote for anxiety and fear. And it's the same thing with joy. It's like, don't be afraid because Jesus is joy. He's here. He's there for all people. He's this prince of peace. He's good news of great joy. That's who he was because he was born. The angels are declaring, this has now entered the world. It's here. And that's so exciting. And this idea of Jesus being good news, it doesn't mean that he was a surprise. Right? Generally, generally the birth of a baby isn't a surprise. Hear about the toilet babies, but we don't need to go into that. It's anticipated. Like, you've got at least nine months, right? And, you know, maybe less if you've heard about it as someone else giving the birth. But there's anticipation that comes with a baby being born. And you get to be excited. You're ready. You're awaiting the good news of great joy. Like, there's that anticipation that comes. And Jesus' birth was the same. 
even more. It wasn't nine months of waiting. It was generations and generations and generations of God's people that were awaiting the arrival of a Savior that was coming to redeem everyone. Like, it's a big weight to put on the birth of this baby, right? There was that sense of anticipation about the arrival of this Savior. And the Bible is full of promises like this, promises of God. You know, God's people, they were marked with joy in response to these promises. And joy, this theme, is all throughout the Bible, but it's not often this amazing, really good stuff was happening and God's people were full of joy. It was usually there's hardship, there's persecution, there's sadness, there's heartbreak, there's um, slavery, there's all of these things, and they had joy anyway. These promises of God, we receive joy because we have faith that he will do what he said he will do. Not necessarily because we're seeing it happening in that moment, but we know that he's faithful to his promises and we're anticipating his promises and the fulfillment of those promises. And so we're able to rejoice. God's people throughout the Bible were able to rejoice in this hardship because they knew something good is coming and God's made a promise and I'm going to believe that God is faithful to that promise. In the Psalms, David writes about the Israelites. You know, they escaped Egypt I wrote in my notes, the Israelites escaping Jesus, that's not right, escaping Egypt led by Moses. And, you know, they were in slavery, right? Like they had, they were God's people and then they were enslaved. And so God was like, I'm going to get you out. There's a promise that's there. And Moses led them through and they rejoiced. And it was so exciting that they were free. But the reality of their situation is that they'd gone from slaves who at least got food and some like roof over their head to being homeless and starving and in the wilderness and with no real prospects or direction and it was a little bit scary but they the bible says that they rejoiced right they entered that wilderness with joy that was god's people they also complained a lot but it's fine but they knew that this promised land was coming right like the, the bible to say they had that joy they had a bigger picture of what was to come and since that time you know god's people they continue to anticipate this sense of joy that was coming anticipate the future joy anticipate the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. Um, And some of that promise was that there was another Messiah coming that was like Moses, but even better. And he was going to come and he was going to deliver God's people. And I've got a um, little chunk from Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah wrote, those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. This is God's people. They will return. They'll enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. God's people were crowned with this everlasting joy, filled with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning, they were disappearing. This hope of a delivering Savior and a Messiah, it was known throughout the time when Jesus was born. So these shepherds standing in this field... They weren't just told a baby has been born. They weren't just expected to believe that it's going to be the saviour. Like, they were waiting for it. They were anticipating this. And I'm guessing, you know, as soon as the shock of the angel wore off, and I'm not sure that they would have been anticipating that they were the ones that were going to get told they could go and hold him and see him and be with him. But once it wore off, they would have connected those dots and seen that this promise of God was coming through. And that, you know, this was the moment they'd been waiting for. It's like that feeling like, you know, when you know you've got a friend that's like going into labor or is like about to have a baby and then you get a text from them and you're like, this is the moment, like you're going to see a tomato. So exciting. It's like that anticipation, right? 
this joy they experienced, you know, we experience that in those scenarios too, and it really does. It transcends whatever is going on in the moment. It transcends the real joy that comes. It doesn't matter what's happening around us because this sense of what we've been anticipating has come true. There's just so much joy that comes in that. We can tap into this source of joy and happiness and excitement, and it's outside of what, you know, we should be able to experience in that moment. From the second he was born, like, Jesus was already giving that sense of joy to people, to the shepherds, to the wise men. Like, they saw the star and they followed it with joy. They were overwhelmed with joy. They followed it straight to Jesus. Nothing about the situation, their circumstances had changed. He was still just a baby at that time, right? Like, he hadn't done anything yet. He'd just been born. But they were overflowing with joy. They were so excited because this answered prayer, this miracle um, was here and it was Jesus. This message of joy being a crowning of God's people, it continues throughout Jesus' teaching, continues after that as well. In Matthew 5 um, verse 12, Jesus says, Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. Jesus is saying you can experience joy now regardless of what's happening around you, because my promise is so much bigger than the right now. To look ahead to the promise. Like he's reminding us to look ahead that our reward is not about what's happening here. It's about this long game. It's about the kingdom. That's what matters. And this message of joy, it goes beyond his death too. Like the people in Acts, they're still God's people and they were marked with joy everywhere they went. It says the disciples are filled with joy and the Holy Spirit as they went out. In Romans 14, it describes the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. They were experiencing the kingdom of God, and so they were able to have joy. Joy is a central, available part of our faith and our life as children of God. It's something that he actually wants us to experience in its fullness here on earth. There's a lot that we, you know, there's a lot that's not now, not yet, like that we're going to see. There's more that's going to come in the future, like with Jesus. But joy is one of the things which Jesus says, I want you to have joy in full, like right now. You can experience the fullness of God. But the other thing when it comes to joy is that it's not just a feeling of happiness. It's not based on circumstances. It's also not something that we have to force and we have to create in our own lives. And maybe you're like me and this concept of like being joyful all the time is like actually more of a burden and that actually feels really heavy. Amy, I'm sure you can't relate. You just, it's just full of joy all the time. But it can feel hard sometimes to feel like you need to shape up, especially at church. Like I'm supposed to come here and I'm supposed to be overflowing with joy and it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm just supposed to be so happy and have this happy front in every scenario. And that's even more dangerous. I mean, that's dangerous in fellowship with believers. It's even more dangerous in fellowship with God when we feel like we have to come to him with everything figured out and everything's fine and my whole life's falling apart, but it's all good, God. Like I know you've got bigger things to worry about. I'm feeling joyful. Like, that's not his intention for us either, right? Let's turn to John 15. This one should be on the screen as well. So this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples here. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So it starts with connection, communion, intimacy with Jesus, staying in line with him. I have told you these things, like, so why do we do those? I've told you these things that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. 
my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus tells this to his disciples, right? And then because you know he really means it, when he's alone with God and he's praying in John 17, he says, you know, I'm coming to you, Father. He's talking to God, I'm coming to you. And I'm speaking these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. He's talking about us to God, that his heart and his intention is that we would have his joy in us and it would be full and complete and perfect and unbroken and undefiled by the world and everything that's going on around us, right? He's promising a complete joy, his joy and not our own. And when I was prepping this message, like the simple message that I felt like God said and it would have taken half a second to say it, so I had to do all this other padding around it. But my main point that I want you to remember is this idea that like, joy isn't our offering to God, it's our gift from God. It's not what we have to bring to Him, it's what we get from Him. When we come to God, He's not asking us to come to Him with this joy, no matter what's going on, he's coming, he's asking us to come to him and receive his complete and perfect joy in our lives, right? He's also asking us to take him as his, at his word. And like it says in Romans 15, to let him fill us with all joy and peace as we believe in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that one should be on there. Let's read that again. To be filled with all joy and peace. They sound familiar? So that we may overflow with hope, overflowing as in like it's touching the people around us. It's a hope that's not just for ourselves, it's for the world around us. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not in our own strength. None of this is to say that your life will be worthy of joy. (laughs) Chances are we've all been in scenarios, seasons, situations where that's not true. And our situation that we're in, it doesn't, it's not worthy of joy. It's not a joyful scenario. And I know even just like looking around at this room, there's people that are either in the thick of that being a lot of their life, or it's some of us, you know, there's awesome aspects, but other parts of life are really challenging. Like this isn't to deny the fact that hard stuff happens in life. And we also have an enemy that is going to take these types of messages and any of this stuff over the past few weeks and go, oh, you know, you're talking about joy. Well, you, you know, you can't have joy because there's condemnation. This is like, you know, a sense of guilt, a sense of you're doing it wrong or, or you're, you're the exception to this. Same with peace. You know, you can't have peace in your life because you have anxiety and that's who you are or you have these hard things over you and that's who you are as a person and hope, like your scenario is too hopeless. Like he's going to be hitting us with those attacks. He's very cheap in his attacks that he gives to us and it's not the truth like if these are parts of Jesus and we have full access to Jesus we have full access to these parts of who he is and it's a matter of us working it out with him what that looks like compared to our scenario in 2 Corinthians six ten, you know Paul writes that he is grieving someone who's in communion with the Lord who knows Holy Spirit that loves God is so committed his whole life is serving Jesus and he's grieving You know, other versions say that his heart aches, he's sorrowful, you know, he's in the heaviness, he's in that wilderness, but he's always rejoicing. His heart aches, but he always has joy. We're not promised a sweet pathway. We are promised, though, that God works all things for good for those who love him. And we're promised hope beyond what this world can offer, 
and we're promised eternity with Jesus and this big eternal picture of what actually matters, you know, a worldview that takes some of these trivial things and makes them seem even more trivial because the kingdom is just so much bigger and more important. And that perspective of God, it really can change everything around us when we think about what we are facing and what we're going through. And that's not, again, to diminish those scenarios But it's to go, do we have an opportunity to respond differently than we would if we didn't have access to the creator of the universe whenever we needed him? Right? Jesus is our joy. He is able to overcome even death. He can overcome our scenarios with us. He is able and he will redeem every situation. He will turn every situation for good And we may not see that on earth, realistically. It may be in heaven. It may be afterwards, you know. But he will redeem the tears. He will redeem the heartache. He will redeem the unanswered prayers for good. And I would much rather believe in a God that works everything for good than believe that everything just happens for a reason. And those things are different. Because a God that works everything for good, you know, trying to explain yeah, trying to explain, say we believe everything just happens for a reason, trying to explain how God is like having a hand in the bad things that have happened or he's teaching us a lesson, like it's just so complicated and messy and it's not his character and where do we put it after that when it's not his character? Why are bad things happening? What if we don't see our prayers answered? Like there's just so much heaviness that can come if we're just trying to figure it out. But if we just trust that God is good and that he sees what's going on and he will redeem it and he'll work things for good, whether it's now or it's later, that redemption we believe we're owed, that revenge that we really want. What if we just let God work it for good, see the other side of it and just trust that he's there? Know that he's capable of giving us joy, peace, hope, comfort, reconciliation, healing, you know, beyond what we can dream for or expect, right? We don't always see it on earth, that redemption of it, but we will see it. If it's not good, it's not over. He's still at work and he's promised that he'll work all things for good for those who love him. So we can have joy. We can trust him with our lives and we can trust him with our joy and he won't disappoint us. We can even let go of control and we can let him lead us, which isn't always easy, but this is invitation that we have to have faith in a God who is faithful right? Like that's where our joy comes from, believing that he's, he's given us promises like that, that he'll work things for good and that he's faithful to those promises and he doesn't change his mind. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's where we get that energy and that motivation and that willpower to handle the situations that we're faced with. And we can have sorrow and yet rejoice because God is good and that's a promise that he's given us. Bill Johnson, the pastor of Bethel Church, he lost his wife Benny earlier this year to cancer and he delivered one of the most incredible sermons that I've ever heard and it was just like, what, weeks after she died, if not like days? It was just insane, this message from this man who just was grieving the loss of his wife, like she just died and he was there with so much peace, so much assurance in who God was and He spoke about the challenge that he had in himself of the fact that, you know, we have one life where something crap like that can happen to us and we can praise God anyway in the thick of it. Because once we die, 
you know, bad things, once we're in heaven, you know, those bad things aren't happening anymore. It's all the joy without the pain. So right now on earth, we have this opportunity to have those hard things happen, to be hit with the wilderness, hit with the darkness, hit with death and everything that the enemy is trying to throw at us and this sorrow and this pain and to respond with joy and let it actually bring us closer to God, to bring more glory to God, to be countercultural, to look differently in the thick of pain. And so in a life that is full of, you know, pain, full of hard things, like really big stuff like that, like losing a partner, but also just little disappointments and people offending us or things being stressful or, I mean, even like towards the end of this year, like how many people are just weighed down by how many parties they have to go to and how much wreath making on and there's so much food to eat and it's like so many good things at Christmas and I fall in that trap as well. But like the reality of it is actually like, really fun things that we're invited into but instead of being weighed down by the world and what's happening in the conversation around us like we have an opportunity to count our life as joy and glorify God and be a witness to his light you know one life to lose someone that we love and to praise God one life to get sick and to praise God one life to be living paycheck to paycheck and to praise God one life to you know, to be hurt, to be offended, to be frustrated by people around us or have messy family scenarios happening or just be unsettled in ourselves and have this opportunity to turn around and to praise God and let it draw, let him draw us closer to him and let him reveal his true self to us and give us the answers and the hope and the peace that we're actually seeking in those scenarios, in the hard stuff and in the good, in the good stuff. We don't have to take that option as well. You know, he's forgiving. He's full of grace. He knows that sometimes we just have bad days and he's understanding of that because he's real and he can sympathize with our weakness, like the Bible says. But it is a choice that we have. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the person that wakes up and chooses the joy that has the things happen and to be a witness to him in the garden, you know, in the good stuff when we have everything that we need in abundance and in the wilderness when we're like his people and we've just been taken out of you know, slavery but now all of a sudden we're homeless and we're hopeless to believe that he's good and to trust in him. These topics of hope and peace and joy and love at Advent, they're also not a call for us to do more. Like, that's not what we're called to do is, like, be more loving, be more joyful, be more hopeful, like, be more peaceful, do more. It's a call to go, these are things that Jesus not only has done and paid for, but they're things that he is. And when you spend time with someone, you become more like them and you take on their traits and you take on parts of, you know, who they are and what they do and their perspectives on things. It's a reminder at this time to go, Jesus is these things and he's paid a high price for us to have access to these things. So let's take them up as his gift to us, a free gift to us to receive a life that is full of hope and peace and joy and love because he's great news. He's great news of great joy for you and me today and always. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray and I'll invite Esther and the team to come up. Jesus, thank you that you are joy for us. Thank you that you say that we were the joy that was set before you, that you saw us and you paid a high price to have relationship with us. And yeah, Lord, we don't want to take advantage of that. We don't want to miss an opportunity to tap into what it is that you've paid for and to, um, yeah, to experience the good things that you have in store for us, Lord. So just teach us, remind us of who you are. Remind us what we have access to in you. 
I pray that even just right now, I might just sit for a second, just pray that, yeah, put your hands out if you're comfortable, and pray that even just right now we'd just be able to receive a sense of joy over the rest of this Christmas season, over the rest of this year, that instead of this call to finish the year hard and strong and to just get over to the finish line, that we would have a real sense of softness and slowness and peace and joy in you, Father, that we can do all things. Your joy is our strength. Yeah, I just encourage you to just ask the Lord for joy over your life right now. Amen.